episode 184 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 4th of July, 2022. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelan. Hello. Graham. Hello. And Will. Hello. So it's the 4th of July, Americans have got the day off, but we haven't, we're going to crack on. So let's start with the news. First of all, Alex from Self-Hosted's Meetup in London, which is on Friday the 5th of August, finally has a venue, or at least a place where it's going to be. And it's going to be in Jubilee Park and Garden, which is just under the London Eye on the South Bank of London. And uh, he said it's going to be 6 p.m. local time. And I think he said until 9 o'clock because he's got to get up early to get a flight home. Well, if I actually go there, I'm going to be there till late. So, uh, yeah, I think there might be an unofficial after party. So where it is, is like a big outdoor space and there's pubs and stuff near there. We just hope it doesn't rain, because if it does rain, we'll have to shelter under the bridge or go into a pub and brave the masses or something. But uh, anyway, Friday the 5th of August, be there and be square. So the first bit of proper news then is the Raspberry Pi Pico W. This is an update to the Raspberry Pi Pico, only this time it has Wi-Fi, albeit only 2.4 gigahertz. And Will, you've bought one and you've put it in your drawer already. Yeah, got one ready to play with, but I haven't got around to playing with it yet. Um, an interesting entry into the market. It's priced pretty much the same as the ESP32. The ESP32 has got a couple of Bluetooth stacks already, whereas the Pico W doesn't currently have Bluetooth support. But it's on the chip, so I imagine that it will come in the not-too-distant future. Uh, I hope they port the Nimble stack to it, because that's nice and small and, and should work well. The good thing is that Wi-Fi is already fully supported in MicroPython, courtesy of Damien George, and uh, it looks just dead easy to get a, a Python command line on the thing and st connect it to a network and start doing stuff. So I've got a few ideas for this one, um, and I was chatting to Popey today as it happens. So uh, yeah, going to play with it in the next couple of weeks, I think. But a nice to see, a nice addition. The price is very, very competitive, and it's got the, you know, the whole community of, of Raspberry Pi users around it. So it's going to be a success. It is 50% more than the non-Wi-Fi version, though but you can do 100% more things with it. It's well worth it. There are definitely projects for which you do not need Wi-Fi, in which case save yourself a few quid. But for everything else, there's Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about this. It's, I've, I mean, I've got a couple of the other Picos without W, and I've experimented with them, but not put them anywhere permanent. I think because to do anything like home automation-wise, I really do need some network connectivity, and this is like the slot and answer for that. Really excited about trying it and putting a separate light on individual steps of the staircase. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right in thinking then this has its own inbuilt OS? It doesn't actually run like a distro of any sort, like Raspbian or the like? It's a microcontroller with um, uh, another microcontroller which handles the Wi-Fi just on the same board. So, yeah, you know, you, you can either put MicroPython on it or TinyGo or you can write in the Arduino IDE and, and upload it straight to it. It comes with a bootloader on it, so you can plug it in and it appears to Linux as a device, which you can then flash quite easily. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I've never really tried anything that small. I guess I have my Arduino Uno, which did the LED blinking lights, and that was it. But uh, this this seems a bit more useful, in all fairness. And unlike most of the other Raspberry Pis, there's actually going to be good supply of this by the sounds of things. I read a story that said if you're struggling to get components and you're struggling to get microcontrollers, buy the Pico, 
or rather buy the RP2040 because there is tons of stock. So I don't know how they've done it, but well done. All right, let's talk about GitHub Copilot again. It is now officially launched as a paid for service and people are not happy. Drew DeVault being one of them, he wrote a piece, GitHub Copilot and open source laundering. And it's prompted a campaign by Software Freedom Conservancy. Give up GitHub, the time has come. I must admit, I'm beginning to have a bit of sympathy with the people who feel this way about it and fail him. <laughs> maybe I maybe I don't feel like that. Maybe I think it's brilliant. So I'm not I'm not a lawyer and I haven't looked too deeply into it, but I have read plenty of seen plenty of examples now of really quite bespoke and weirdly written code being dropped verbatim into some of the suggestions. Um it completely independent and regardless of how that code may have been licensed originally on GitHub. In fact, not particularly machine learned and rewritten or insightful. And that's what gives me concern. Yeah, I mean, when you consider if back when the early 2000s, when the uh, SCO case came out, like they couldn't even find much matching at all. If this was the case now, they'd be stuffed. Because it's, it's so blatantly copied in. So, yeah, obviously, I don't like Copilot. I mean, there's a, sh- there's a shocker. Well, just for a change, I will represent the voice of reason and say that I, Burn him. <laughs> I don't necessarily think it's that bad. I think it is bad that it is ripping off potentially non-free code and just saying, you know, here you go. But the other hand is... Imagine how much more quickly you could learn to write software if when you got stuck, the robot came along and said, oh, try this, and it worked. Uh, It would just be brilliant. I I think as a learning tool, I think that there's an awful lot of value in it. Uh, They definitely need to get it to work better, more compatibly with, um, with free software licenses. But I think as a tool, as a learning tool, I think it's really going to be quite powerful. Yeah, I I totally agree with you in terms of potential. You know, if it was like the wall E of of Mm. programming code, then I wouldn't have any argument against it. I'd love to see the data set and the the algorithms released open source, but I'd be fine with the output. Mm. It's just what I've seen is like sometimes almost a verbatim copy of the input. Yeah, and given that they have the license of all the bits that they pull in, they know what that is already because it makes you do that. And it knows what your current project is. Why is it offering you in your proprietary code base GPL code? I mean, I, I mean, I don't want someone who's got proprietary code who wants to keep it that way. That's all well and good for them, and they should stick with that. But you shouldn't like be dumping stuff that shouldn't be somewhere else. Essentially, well, Conservancy asked Microsoft and GitHub a bunch of questions about this, and one of them was. Can you provide a list of licenses, including names of copyright holders and or names of Git repositories that were in the training set used for Copilot? If not, why are you withholding this information from the community? And after waiting a long time for a reply, the reply came, we're not answering the question. And so Conservancy then speculates in this blog post that maybe they don't know. Maybe they didn't properly document what this thing was actually trained on And so they maybe don't even know what licenses were used. Yeah, maybe they fed it everything to try and build the model with the intention of removing things that they couldn't then reproduce, but still have the same model and they've just been unable to. Magic black box machine learning to the rescue again. (laughs) Some speculation that I've seen is that Microsoft thinks that they are big enough and have enough lawyers to just 
get away with it, in quotes, and that there won't be a significant legal challenge to this because it's just going to cost whoever wants to challenge them too much. But like, if I'm a small company and I see you as another small company, you've ripped my code off and you've kept it inside, I'm going to sue you. I'm not going to sue Microsoft. That's your problem to fucking deal with. That's a very interesting question. What are companies going to be doing about their engineers who are using this to develop software? Are they going to ask? Because if they ask, then they've got to deal with it. Or are they just going to play dumb? And this feels like something I should have an answer to. And I have not really thought about it until now. Yeah, what's your job title again, Will? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would be advising my team to not use it because who knows what the legal consequences will be. Mm. We just don't know. We're entering a new world where machine learning, AI, whatever you want to call it, is producing works, whether that is code or ridiculous images or whatever, that is just uncharted territory we just don't know from a legal point of view and a copyright point of view where we are with all of this stuff there there isn't legal precedent yet so i would be very cautious if i was running a company with employees using this yeah and also i suppose if you do get accused of copyright infringement in your code you can just say well it was generated by (laughs) copilot regardless of how you did it maybe yeah if if you are paying for that then you can Mm. just claim that as your defense potentially yeah but I mean, even if you didn't, even if you weren't using Copilot, just get the license as an insurance policy. Yeah, pay you $10 a month. They can't prove that it didn't, I assume. Depends how good their lawyers are, I suppose. <laughs> Maybe their lawyers are just AI bots. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I did install it in VS Code this morning because a pop-up uh, appeared in, in GitHub offering it to me for free. And I, I installed it and I opened up a, a new Python project and I did Python, uh, you know, the, the hash bang for Python and told it it was a Python script. My first line was import requests. And the next thing that, um, that Copilot came up with was a very straightforward requests function that just went out and passed a URL and, and returned the, the results. It would have saved me probably 20 seconds of typing. And that was like within a minute of of this thing being installed. So it does seem that if your use cases are very simple, at least my experiment so far was very simple, it could save you some time. And if it saves time and programmers are lazy, then it's going to start finding its way and its tendrils are going to start spreading into projects. So yeah, I think we need an answer to the question, are we going to use this in our business or not? And I think everybody should be thinking about that. Well, I think that developers should be seriously thinking about is this going to take my job? Because if this gets good enough, and it might be 10 years down the road, maybe more, but it may well get to a point where a manager can just input some features that it wants and it'll just spit out the code. It'll probably be the equivalent of Dreamweaver website Mm. code, but it'll probably just about work. Yeah, it'll be like that gif of the giraffe riding the motorbike. (laughs) (laughs) Also, it could work in the engineer's favor. I mean, I've been... Grammarly has been doing my work for a decade and no one's noticed. <laughs> I'm going to get Copilot to design the next version of Copilot and then have the next version design itself and then Rich. <laughs> yeah, and then it'll become self-aware. And then Skynet and then the release from this hellhole. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we think about Conservancy's campaign to get people to leave GitHub then? Is that just pissing in the wind? It might well be, but I mean, if you've got a project that you want to start there, do you want to essentially have your code paid for by somebody else to benefit from your work? I don't know. Seems 
counter to uh, the sort of free spirit of GPL licensed software or any open license, except the BSD because they're shit. That's been the way it's been for years, though. Like all these open source projects put their code up, and people rip it off and try and sell it, and then people try and stop them from selling it in software stores, and people get upset about that. And it's just been going round and round and round. This just seems to be yet another way that somebody is trying to extract value from other people's work. The thing is that Amazon have got their own version of this, Code Whisperer, and by the sounds of things, that actually does address some of the concerns about licensing. And it's this weird situation where people are saying, well, Amazon is kind of looks like the good guy compared to Microsoft slash GitHub here. Again, I bring us back to the taller than Ronnie Corbett competition <laughs> here. <though. laughs> On to a bit of admin then. First of all, thank you everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. You can learn more at latenightlinux.com slash support. And remember, for $10 or more per month on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed that includes this show, Linux Downtime, and Linux After Dark. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email show at latenightlinux.com. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Linode. Go to linode.com slash latenightlinux, support the show, and get $100 free credit. From their award-winning support, offered 24-7, 365 to every level of user, to ease of use and setup, it's clear why developers have been trusting Linode for projects both big and small since 2003. Deploy your entire application stack with Linode's one-click app marketplace or build it all from scratch and manage everything yourself with supported centralized tools like Terraform. And check out their managed MySQL, Postgres, and MongoDB databases that allow you to quickly deploy a new database and defer management tasks like configuration, managing high availability, disaster recovery, backups, and data replication. Simple and fast to deploy with secure access, their flexible plans include daily backups. So go to linode.com slash late night Linux, create a free account, and you'll get $100 in credit and support the show. That's linode.com slash late night Linux. So more praise for Mozilla. This is uh, another privacy feature. It's basically removing all the shit from URLs, essentially, all the um, tracking stuff, which uh, I suppose, disclaimer, we do rely on somewhat for people clicking links for advertisers on the show. So we probably shouldn't be too indignant about it. <laughs> but uh, it is still something that Firefox should definitely be doing. It sets it apart from Chrome and well done, Mozilla. Yeah, it'd be nice if they could scrape off the UTM from their pocket links as well. That'd be nice. Mm. <laughs> well, presumably this will. Well, I just tried it. And at least in the integrated pocket link in Firefox, they still add the UTM, which isn't too... It's just like ours. It just says that the source is pocket. But that's always annoyed me because I'm often copy and pasting my links from pocket to other people and then I have to manually get rid of that because I'm embarrassed of using pocket. You should be. Should I retweet my thing where I said to Mozilla, uh, how is open source of Pocket coming along <laughs> in March 2017? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I think I'll just do that now. So there you go. <laughs> oh, I've, I've turned this into a bad story, but it's a really good story. What they're doing is excellent, getting rid of all that stuff in Firefox. So happy ending. Yeah, it, it's not an ending, is it? It's it's happy yeah. progression. It's It's happy what they should be doing. And, um, you know, we joked in our Telegram group that they're listening to us. And it's it's not just us, though, is it? Come on, it's everyone has been criticizing them and telling them they need to focus on this kind of stuff. And they do seem to be listening. 
And we've given them so much shit in the past that I think we have to give them some positive airtime for what they're doing. And uh, Will, have you actually made the switch yet? You said you were thinking about it last time. That was two weeks ago. I haven't made a whole lot of progress, but I did start looking at porting all my passwords and uh, exporting all of my uh, history. So I, I've downloaded it, I've got it installed, and I've made a start. I have, I'm not there yet, but I'm making slow progress. All right, well, related to Firefox, again, we're going to talk about Thunderbird. They really are doing well with the publicity. So 102 came out, and uh, it's supposedly quite good, but... Then casually on Twitter, they shared a screenshot of their next major release, which has got a completely new look to it, which I think looks great and modern. And fail him, you don't. It looks shite. And I was mis misrepresented by some 25-year-old French chap, apparently, <laughs> who said that I don't like things and I think things should be the way they used to be. And that is a blatant <laughs> lie because I use KD and that is clearly not the case. I'm all for change if it's good, but it's fucking email for fuck's sake. And this absolutely apes the Office 365 interface and is the worst vertical piece of shite ever. It is the most awful thing to navigate through your messages with. And I don't know why you would copy it. And it doesn't look like it can even be used for multiple accounts very well. It looks awful. I mean, they did say, yeah, there's a classic mode you can enable, blah, blah, which, yes, fine, if it gets as much testing. Apparently, it's all just kind of customized. I don't know whether it's CSS or whatever to do it. But oh, I don't know. I just I hate the look of it. I think it's just really bad. It's for people who like to think they have email but don't actually need it. You're just so wrong about this, man. I am not so wrong about this. I have five to six email accounts all the time in Kmail. And if I had to like click to change the entire pane to change over to the new account or had this vertical scroll bar that shows three to four lines of the bloody email rather than pack as much info into that list as possible, I get hundreds of emails every day. It's just terrible. Well, I don't want to anger the Thunderbird marketing department, so I'm going to say it looks really good. <laughs> that is a very good self-preservation. <laughs> I have never had so many tweets liked in my sort of negation than everybody piling onto me being an L person who doesn't like change. Fuck off the lot of you on Twitter. You can all choke. I think you missed the word again there, Graham. Again, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I maintain that this looks like a modern application to me, and then you compare it with what it looks like currently, and that looks ancient and crusty. It's email. Email is ancient and crusty. <laughs> does function, but it works the way it works because it that's how it is working. I mean, it's like, what, are they going to replace the, the cells in an Excel spreadsheet by fucking clicky icon buttons everywhere instead of allowing you to actually put text in next or what? And you lot accused me of being the old man last time with the fucking YouTube rant. Like, yeah, this is just so old manish of you, Fahim. It isn't. And they want to put a chat client in the fucking email program. So why? Why do they want Matrix in there? It's its own thing. Well, I don't know about that. That seems a bit excessive. But why not have it be an option or a plug-in, perhaps? But the fact that they're going to maintain the old version, surely everyone's happy. 
If it's just in the settings, just toggle old man setting. Okay, great. Now Phelim's happy. You don't even fucking use it. Yeah, I know I don't use it, but that's the thing. It's now coming in and it's come to eat canines lunch because it's now mobile fucking Thunderbird. So I'm going to get this foisted on me at some point. I'm not convinced of that because it's one thing to, to make the desktop version. I mean, this must have been in the works for some time. And it's one thing to make the desktop look different, but the mobile app is going to take longer to change, surely. Well, I'm, uh, do I have to count on that then? Yeah, I have to count on the fact that they couldn't be arsed. Great. That's that's a great system, that is. I just think you love moaning. I don't love moaning. <laughs> it's a tool loads of people use. Now they're trying to, oh, let's make it look really cool. Uh. I, it annoys me that I can't, in KML, make some of the font even smaller on the left-hand bar so I can get even more folders in there in the single view without having to scroll. Yet they've made something that makes it possible that, or at best, you can get, what, five to six mails on that list on the the leftmost bar. Oh, brilliant. That's great. Have you tried Gmail, Phelan? Oh, Gmail's worse. It's terrible. Oh, it's all tags. No, it's folders. And put the mail in the folder and that's where it belongs. Stop tagging it with loads of different stuff. Ah. Next, you'll be telling me, Fairname, that you don't even like Conversation View. I use Threaded View. It's not the same as Conversation View. Threaded View is handy, but Conversation View is stupid. Well, I had my ISP email, and then I was one of the first people to get an invitation to Gmail, so I've really not known any different from Gmail all of my internet life. So for me, that is the default. And this looks a bit more like Gmail, and that's why I like it. So fuck you, old man, quite frankly. (laughs) Um, This is part of them trying to broaden the appeal of Thunderbird, and you can't blame them for that. They're doing a good job of broadening the appeal of it. This is Steve Buscemi with a skateboard and a baseball cap on sideways going, hey, kids, (laughs) it's fucking email. Leave it alone. (laughs) Well, you can always use your K-mail or whatever. Yes, and I will. I wish I could use it on my phone. Maybe I just have to get rid of my Android phone and that's my problem solved. Yeah. Just buy an iPhone, get a Gmail account, and just be happy. Feed myself into a wood chipper. All right, good news from the American government. You don't hear that very often, especially these days. But uh, they had sorted out NASA's next budget, and buried in the detail of it all is they want more Mars helicopters. So Ingenuity really is the little helicopter that can, and it seems it's impressed the higher-ups enough to get budget for even more of them, so we're probably going to get more Linux on Mars. This is excellent news. Do you think it is a coincidence that we are at imminent threat of war with Russia and now suddenly uh, NASA gets loads more money to build spaceships and stuff? I suspect that the two things are linked. You think it's uh, dick swinging? I think it's probably a certain amount of monitoring systems floating around the Earth just in case being built. Well, if it means more Linux on Mars, then... Silver lining? Yeah, I'm happy with that. I'll take it. (laughs) Oh, you see, I was going for the other angle here, where now that it's a really big project, we're going to have to get a proper OS, because, you know, (laughs) that Linux thing's not professional. It's not used everywhere in the fucking world. Yeah, so Microsoft are going to come in and tender for it, or fucking Musk and his lot, maybe. Although Musk could just use Linux and not fucking credit anyone. Do you not think we've moved past that now? We should have. Yes, we should really, but... You just know the way this thing goes. Mm. It's some marketing arsehole's going to come and go, oh, no, I'm Roxas, whatever that 
real-time OS thing is. I can't remember what it's called, but yeah. VX works. That's the one. No, Linux has proved its worth, man. Well, yeah, no, and it has, genuinely. But you just know how these things go. Like I said, you love to fucking moan. This yeah. is a positive story. Shut up the pair of you. Expect the misery, and then you can never be disappointed. <laughs> no, but with this kind of stuff, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with what Will said, but they want tested code, they want devices that have been through it, and they won't switch from the stack that they've got working so easily. You would hope not. Uh, it is pretty amazing, though, what they've done with that, and the updates that they push to it and things like that. It's unreal, really. It might actually be the last surviving relic of civilization. <laughs> <laughs> Just buzzing around up there waiting for the next command. You probably find somebody's buried at Easter egg there. If no commands have been received for 365 days, it then goes off on its jolly home jaunt. Like. Let's do a quick KDE corner before we get out of here then. The first one, KDE apps media update. Yeah, there's been a whole pile of updates for a lot of apps out there. Um, Labplot has got some cool stuff. It's got some new annotations and images on worksheets. They show a cool one of the, I think it's the hydrogen line, they call it. To, I don't know, it's something to do with SETI and looking for life on other planets or something. I don't know. Uh, but they've got better visualizations and conditional formatting and stuff like that. And it's able to import from MATLAB, SAS, Stata, and SPSS. I know SPSS and MATLAB, but I don't know the other ones, but I'm sure they're all statistics stuff. And there's also Haroon in there, which is a YouTube player, which, uh, you know, I reckon you should give that one a go, Joe, because that's quite good for being a YouTube player on your desktop. Maybe, I don't know if it filters out ads and stuff as well. I'm not 100% sure, but pretty cool. The best desktop YouTube player is Firefox. Why do I need a different one? Yeah, well, funnily enough at home here, Newpipe plays YouTube videos better than Firefox does because I don't get Grammarly ads in it. <laughs> uh, well, that's because you don't have uBlock Origin because you're a tinfoil hat man. Because <laughs> I support the creators, Joe. Anyway, digitally signing PDFs with a hardware token. Is this your UB keys in that? It is. And uh, just just a quick link, there's a how-to guide on how to use it. I know we had a few people write in saying that you know they work, they're work or live in countries where you're required to have... Uh, documents that you have to have signed uh, digitally with a key or whatever from the government or regional authority. And uh, there's a guy there, a guy does, quite interesting to see. Um, I've no use for it, but I thought somebody else might like it. Yeah, all right. And uh, Digicam 7.7.0. Digicam is truly excellent. Um, I don't use it because I'm not organized enough with my photos, but it, it can do some really cool stuff. But now they have it fully working on QT6. And from now on, QT5 is going to be bug fix only, which is quite cool. So things are starting to slowly move in the right direction there. They've got Olympus OM1 camera support. They've got AVIF and JPEG XL containers have been improved. And two SOAR students have been kept on to finish on the image quality analyzer that uses this neural network stuff. And they're also doing OCR with Tesseract, which... I'm not really sure what that is, but we all know what OCR is. So quite cool. All right. And KDE PIM may endure an update. Yeah. So screw you, Thunderbird. We also have <laughs> updates in PIM. Uh, so QT6 compilation again. So like everything is really moving towards that now, which is cool to see. And they've done a load of uh, improvements for accessibility on the PGP cert stuff, which is quite good. Kmail has fixed a lot of memory leaks. It's got better message disposition notification dialogue. That's the, you know, auto reply if you receive an email thing. Uh, so you'll be able to clear that or send it in the actual main window when it pops up rather than a separate dialogue. 
There's been a lot of data export fixes and Calendar has improvements as well. That's to do with that work with the uh, mobile stuff that's been going on as well. And they've got a link for junior jobs with uh, contact, which is quite cool. So if you fancy getting involved and there's some easy stuff that you might be able to do, they have a list there that you can hop on and ping them to let them know that you're working on it. All right, well, links to all that in the show notes then. We'd better get out of here. We'll be back next week when we'll be talking about our discoveries and have some of your feedback and some other stuff. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Phelan. I've been Graham. And I've been Will. See you later. <laughs>